On this episode of Resi Week, we talk Samsung going carbon neutral, how to grow your business, and Mitchell Acoustics Bluetooth two-channel systems. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week episode 350. It's nostalgia. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Middle Atlantic. What great systems are built on. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matthew Scott for AVNation.tv. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by my two good tri-state friends the bosom brothers we have mr todd puma you thought i'd forget about that buddy but i didn't uh he is the president of the source home theater how you doing todd i'm doing well you know besides for that comment of course that you <laughs> didn't remember that's the problem as you get older you remember everything <laughs> then right beside him is mr mark feinberg he's the president of home theater advisors how you doing mark I'm doing great, Matt. Thanks for having me, man. Really uh, missed you. It's been a long time. Well, that's because you like been you've been gallivanting around Europe. Todd's been down in Nashville, like massaging guitars. I went to CD. I didn't see you. I didn't go. I know. Canadians. All right, gentlemen. Uh, we're going to start it off with a quick uh, just notation before we dig into the first story uh, from CE Pro. Samsung is committing to be 100% carbon neutral by 2050. Uh, at their at their worldwide business locations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They're going to try and reduce uh, power consumption on devices um, by 25 to 52% across the board, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, in, in the pre-show, Mark, you got excited about this a little bit. I saw this and all it made me do was the, the very nice, if you're, if you're watching the, the pat on the back, um, if you're listening, I just patted myself on the back. The, the carbon neutral thing is what is a mute point to me these days. The thing I'm interested in is, is the energy reduction is that a energy play, like a like a like an eco play, or is that a better quality, better life span um, of their electronics play? Because to me, that's what it is. Is it, it, it's if we can generate, if we can use less energy, we're generating usually less heat, which means our stuff runs better, faster, longer, etc. Yeah, I mean, if that if that I didn't even think of it from that angle, Matt. I mean, yeah, if they can increase the lifespan of product, that's always going to be a benefit. And listen, long term, you know, is it good for companies holistically to try to reduce their carbon footprints to, you know, be better for the planet in the long run? Yes. Does it really impact our businesses on a day to day? No, our clients are not going to pick one brand over another for the most part because the company is carbon neutral. You might find that, you know, half of a percent who may or one percent who will choose a product because it is more energy efficient in their home and reduces their electric bill or, you know, generates less heat in their home or things like that. Um, I think it's a good thing they're doing. Um, everyone's going that way, but it doesn't, it's not going to impact me on a day or my clients on a day-to-day -day basis. Other than the fact that, you know, they have a living plan in 50 years. Todd, do you, do you agree with that? Do you, do clients care? Like we all have the outlier. 
I've got one that has like a bunch of the little Google switches so they can turn off the vampire load of the TV using 0.1 of a watt when it's turned off. And they're very concerned about that. Um, we all have those clients, but on the whole, do your clients care about this or, or is this just a mute point to you? It's not a conversation that when we walk in the door, that's a bullet point of what they're looking for based on their need. No, they're not going to leave with it. And the majority of the time, you know, it's never been something that's been brought up to us in many years of being in business. You know, there is concerns based on saving energy and consumption with energy, but with their home, they're not concerned with their TV is going to be, you know, uh, the amount of power that's going to be utilized coming through the TV um, when it comes down to those devices. But with lighting control, HVAC control, like Mark alluded to briefly, that is where the concerns are. Uh, with their carbon footprint on what they're going to be utilizing through their factories, Yes, I think that's an overall concern throughout the world in the political uh, sense and political views based on the world where we're currently going. Um, but overall, on the standpoint of the products being utilized in their home, I don't believe that's much of a concern at this point uh, with our clients. Yeah, I, I agree with that. All right, let's jump into uh, the meat of the week. This comes to us from Residential Systems, glowing, growing your business on purpose three key takeaways from the Powerhouse Alliance National Sales Meeting. Uh, Dennis Holzer, who's a who's a good friend of the show and the exec director of Powerhouse Alliance, points out three main keys uh, from, from that event, specifically two that kind of go together and, and the third that, that we'll bring up. Um, attitude is everything and are you a good coach? Todd, I, <clears throat> I want to start with you on this one. The attitude is everything. And the coaching aspect both deal internally with your teams, again, internally. Um, having a, a good attitude and being able to communicate across the board uh, is obviously very important. And how you can coach up your teammates, your team members, uh, your employees, however you want to look at that or whatever label you want to put on them. How do you go about ensuring that? you've got a good attitude culture, if you will, within your, your, your company. And how do you go, go about coaching and training to encourage that? Well, it comes down to conditioning yourself, right? The company starts with I, right? And then from there, it resonates down to my employees. So what I like to do daily is when I come into work is I like to condition myself in a positive mindset and to stay away from the negative and to produce that to my people. With that being said, it's not always the case. I'm more of a neutralist, right? I, I go into two points. I'm positive and then I have my negative points, but I never overly consume my employees with negativity. When it comes down to things that need to be done, job site culture, presenting yourself to the client, the way we prepare ourselves by walking into the building, um, it's a constant conversation and it's constantly evolving. What I like to do is when I see good behaviors or if the customers report something that they like about my employees, I like to broadcast that out publicly so they could see between themselves that, okay, you know, Jason today did a really good job on, you know, communicating to the customer that they're really satisfied with the going above and beyond. Now, with that being said, there's a company culture where there's competitive nature, right? Everybody wants to get the next compliment. And I believe by preparing them for, you know, more information that could go out to them from the client 
as well as through my standpoint of my communication and let them know that they're appreciated. I think that helps them to be motivated and constantly move forward into a more public, positive, you know, culture and business practice. I like it. Mark, the, the, the third topic that, um, Dennis mentions is ditching the diva, um, which typically comes down to, uh, the customers who eat your time and resources and continually, uh, cannot be satisfied. We've all got them. We've all dealt with them. Uh, now I will add to this a little bit internally that this can also happen within your company. You can have a sales uh, person or you can have, um, somebody in the field who's can be a bit of a diva as well and go down that vein. But how do you go about actually doing this? Because we've, we've all walked into a, a project or a client and went, gosh, this is going to be a nightmare. And it turns out fantastic. Right. We've also walked in and went, this is going to be awesome. And it turns out to be a nightmare. Right. <laughs> and everywhere right. in between. Yes. How do you go about trying to, you know, figure that out ahead of time, but also once you're into something and it's turning into that headache, how do you navigate changing course? Right. I mean, I think ahead of time, you can, the best way I can tell is how do they treat you? Are they treating you like a partner? Are they treating you like a vendor? Um, you know, I, I was in a, I was at a client a couple of weeks ago and you know, we, we didn't go up to, we didn't go up through the service entrance. I didn't realize there was a service entrance to the building. I went up through the front door and the woman's like an adult. Wow. Shocking. Right? <laughs> and the, and the woman's attitude to me, I think she said something like, you know, I trust next time you will go through the service entrance. I was like, wow, I've not. You know, so I know like I, I'm, I'm sort of locked into this client. It's a referral from an architect. I've got to do it. But if that was a client who was, that I didn't have to have to be involved with, I would have, you know, told them I, I would have gotten out of doing the proposal even. Um, mm. But it's hard once you're in the job and once you've done the, you know, if you don't if you don't detect it until it's too late and you've already done the work, you've already done the install, and now you're servicing that client. It's a little hard to be honest because you don't want those negative reviews. It's a little too hard for them to, a little too easy for them to to make you look bad by going after you on social media or review sites. Um, I, I've not had much luck in, in quote, firing clients at this point. I'm, maybe I'm too nice. Maybe I'm too concerned about a bad review. I'm not sure, but I have, I have not been able to execute on that well. So if you have any tips, Matt. Oh, I have lots. <laughs> it's very fun. Wanted to a lot. Trust me. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm with you, Todd. I I, I want to come back and, and get your take on this as well, because to me, this is one of the biggest issues across the board. Again, whether it's a client, whether it's an employee, whether it's a vendor, if you've got somebody that's making it hard to work with, they they just put up roadblock after roadblock. Unless the money is phenomenal, like let's be real. There, we will all do certain things to a certain level <laughs> if they're if they're if they're writing a really nice check. But don't make it weird, Mark. Um, <laughs> what do you what do you do if you've got 
Like, do you try to have a conversation? Do you just drop them? Do you do the typical, it's, it's not me, it's you. We're just really busy right now and we can't serve you the way uh, you deserve to be treated right now. Well, it comes down to case by case scenario. Like what Mark was currently stating based on his customer experience, that's something that you can condition and evolve into a good situation by over communicating and explaining, you know, their role and our role, right? What it comes down to in those situations, which are toxic, any situation in our life that's toxic, we need to remove ourselves from. But before we do so, we need to communicate on how to get ourselves out of it because we want to keep an open dialogue with anybody, especially if there's something that's happening in a sense, which is not working out for our benefit. But we also have to look at it. Is it is the reason why they're like this is possibly based on something that we have done? Is there something that we haven't communicated with them? Right? Because we're quick to take the chat, right? Okay, here, here, here. Okay, got those. Yep, got it. So we like it. We're running to the bank and we're cashing it. But sometimes in between, based upon all the different accounts we have, we sometimes don't give the excellence that we're supposed to give in customer service, which then prepares the customer to come to us and think, you know what? I don't like these guys. They only want, it's a money grab. They only want to come to us when there's something they need. And every single time they're preparing change orders, right? So first things first is a lot of these situations based on bad clients come from us and come from our culture that we pass down to them by ignoring them. So responsibility will come to our part. Now, in other cases where that's not, right, the scenario which comes up, there's some customers that are just jerks. There's some customers that constantly want to be emotional vampires and suck the life out of your company, suck the life out of your employees, and then condition everybody to be unhappy where you're walking into the situation where you're like, this is going to suck. And every single time you come there, you have a knot in your stomach. And how do we do that? What do we do in those cases? We have to do the hard we have to terminate them. We have to get rid of the clients. And it gets easier, as you know, Matt, Mark, it's something that you struggle with currently. But once you get it under your belt and you realize it's the best thing for your company and the culture of your company and also the mindset, it's great. What I do now is I make sure that I'm the one on site and taking the heat and my team isn't with those clients. That's a great owner. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you can't always be the bulletproof best, right, Mark? No, I know. I know. You're, you're all things to many people. And in these cases, you know, the toxic nature of the client, right, has to be cut. We have to cut the cancer. And, you know, before we do so, it's our jobs as professionals. So we make sure that if their review comes in that's negative, we could state, which is true, we communicate with the customer based upon the relationship and, you know, our terms and conditions as well as theirs. And we realize that it couldn't work out between the two of us. And we recommended other dealers for that brand so they could take over the system and make sure that they are successful and you know getting that up and running. Yeah, that's a really good point. All right, gentlemen, let's uh, hit another story. This comes to us from Residential Systems. Uh, Mitchell Acoustics brings its wireless speakers to the U.S. Mitchell Acoustics is a well-known audio brand out of the U.K., but they are just breaking into the U.S. market um, <clears throat> with a mission to bring back stereo listening to people at an affordable price. They offer both wireless Bluetooth speakers and turntables so you can have a quote unquote cable free, Wi-Fi free, network free solution um, to, to listening to music again, uh, both directly from, from an app uh, or from a Bluetooth turntable. Uh, Mark, let me, let me start with you on this one. We're seeing an uptick a little, a little uptick 
in this right now. Wireless audio has always been something that's out there. Uh, obviously, the big brands like Sonos kind of own that space a little bit, but there's a there's tech from from Wiza um, that has a, a wide variety of applications. This is the first one I've seen in a while that is specific to two channel to, to to stereo listening. Okay. Do you see this as a, a, a big opportunity to come in. I, I, I must say, I love the, uh, the, the Bluetooth, um, turntable option, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I think about my clientele and go, I don't know who's going to do this. You know, in our world, this, this, this strikes me as a strong consumer, direct to consumer product. I don't see mm-hmm. it in our channel because we're not doing a whole lot of Bluetooth because we sell against Bluetooth. Um, we don't want Bluetooth because you walk 20 feet away, the music cuts out, you get a phone call, it comes through your speakers. That's the exact experience we're trying to prevent our clients from having. We want them to have a seamless experience. We want to use a, a whole home audio system that is that is the, the separated from the phone. The phone is just a controller, not a source. Um, so I think for the, you know, for the retail customer, for the direct consumer, um, this may be a, this could be an interesting use case. I don't know, you know what the quality of those speakers are. They were relatively small. I'm not sure how, you know, great those are going to be versus, versus throwing, you know, a, a Sonos port and not it's a much more expensive scenario, but throwing like maybe a blue sound node onto, a, you know, a, a great two channel amp with nice speakers. You're talking thousands of dollars there, not one thousand um, dollars. But I, I just don't, you know. I, I think it could be great for somebody who wants quick and easy two-channel music. But frankly, the person who wants, who knows what two-channel music is, probably wants a higher quality than that. Let me let me let me push back on that a little bit, and and, and we'll let Todd answer the pushback because that's entertaining and fun. Um, we're seeing a massive uptick in vinyl, a continued uptick in vinyl. And now again, to, to your point, Mark, we're getting, we're, we very rarely get a request from one of our clients of like, Hey, I want to add some two channel. Can you help me out? Um, if it's not a decent or, or really, really nice system or tied into their existing system. Um, <clears throat> the only thing I get is, can you add a turntable in for me? I am seeing that. Yeah. 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 Um, but there is a huge, resurgence of vinyl and people loving it but we're also seeing a huge push for that vinyl to be digital which is the part that i just find hilarious myself todd is there is it the ease of use that is making people love the move to vinyl in a digital and in like in this case a bluetooth situation or is it just that they don't know anything different you know what it's doing it's allowing people to get back to the basics in a sense but to add it to a newer technology i'm not understanding why they want to take something that's analog and make it digital um i'm still trying to figure that out i'm a big analog ease guy. of use yeah it, it, it's, it's ease, ease of use. use but but in the same scenario is the quality of a vinyl is the purity of it the warmness of it once you take that and make it digital you're losing that warmness. You're, you're pretty, pretty much playing in the iPod or 
whatever iPhone realm. You're playing in the streaming realm. So you're taking something that's made to be in nature, a little bit warmer and more natural to the music and closest to the way it was recorded. And you're taking that and bringing it to something you already currently have in your hands. You already have an iPhone that can stream, right? You already have streaming devices that could give you the same sound. But what are you doing it for? I think they're doing it for the experience, right? To say, Mm -hmm. hey, I have vinyl. Dad, mom, look what I have. Do, Do you remember these? And they're like, yes. And hey, 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 watch yourself, boy. Don't you start calling people old who remember vinyl. Hey, hey, hey. We didn't didn't say Mark. (laughs) But I remember vinyl. I grew up with vinyl in my teenage years. Oh, you mean vinyl? Yeah. I I have vinyl all behind me. Who are you calling old? I'm old. (laughs) And I'm proud of it. You know, I'm proud to know vinyl. Right. You know what I mean? That's part of my strengths. Listen, when it comes down to being an advisor, and if they want to do that, if the client wants to go in this realm and challenge themselves to, to learn something different, it's only going to lead them to us, right? Because they're going to realize, I love the way to sound. How can I get it to sound better? It's the boombox scenario. It's what Sonos made so great, right? They came in, there was the boomboxes. Everyone started off with something simplistic. They start off with a single device. And then from there, they grew the devices and they moved into the whole home atmosphere. That's what this is happening here is they're helping to condition people to the better. They're helping to condition people into our hands as integrators. They're helping to condition people to know more and want more and to give more into their home space. And if they wants to educate them, that's only going to help to educate us even more because these basic things that we're against, which I'm against, is something that I'm starting to realize and Mark helped me with this, is the things that you're challenged with that you don't like that everyone else likes you're going to have to know and you're going to have to learn it. And that's what happened with Sonos with myself. And with these things like this, I'm, I'm more embracing it at this point. The Eros, the Sonoses, you know, the Apple TVs, the HomeKits, the Googles, the Amazons. I embrace it and I, I drive now towards it versus away from it. Is it something I would put in my own home? Hell no. Never in a million years. That wouldn't be in my house. But I'm not going to take it away from them from wanting it. Have you, have either of you gentlemen seen the, I think it's Victronox um, at, at Expo, they debuted the Stream Carbon, which is a, a turntable that sits natively on the Sonos ecosystem. Because again, that that's the, I, I think there's a weird dichotomy between people that buy vinyl and get a quote unquote analog system that's affordable I don't think that there's, I, I, I really don't believe there's a huge audio difference between that system and something like the carbon that's just dumping it directly digitally into a Sonos environment or something like, like this system from, um, from Mitchell Audio. To me, it's, it, it's just the ease of use to be able to do it. So I think, I, I think what my gut instinct of why people are doing vinyl, that's two, it's twofold. You've got the nostalgia. You've got the people who are 50 plus who grew up as, you know, preteens and teenagers with vinyl. That was the way they consumed audio, that and and, and cassette tape. Um, And then you've got the people, whether they're that generation or younger, who just like the experience of holding the record, of having to flip it, of kind of that that old school feel. Um, I don't think there's that many people who are buying vinyl because they think it sounds because it is warmer it is more you know more natural but i don't think that's why it's 
picking up in popularity. I think that's a small niche group that is buying it for the audio quality of it. I think the people who I'm seeing, at least in my clients, are buying it because it's either nostalgic or it's kind of the hot, cool thing to do now. Quote, unquote, cool. Kind of like comic yeah. books, right? In a sense, you know, they want to have something to leave with versus going digitally. A lot more people now will go into the comic book store and have something that they could collect. And that that's be what it's for. It might be bring it back collectivity. You know, vintage clothes market and things like that have been skyrocketing ever since the pandemic. So I, I, I'm all, I love it. I love what they're doing with that part. Perfect. All right, gentlemen, let's leave it there. Thank you both so much for joining us. Mark, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Home Theater Advisors, where can they do that? Best is hometheateradvisors.com. If you want to learn about the company, if you want to reach me, it's mark at hometheateradvisors.com. Beautiful. Thank you, sir. Mr. Puma, if people want to connect with you, uh, learn more about the Source Home Theater or guitars, uh, where <laughs> where can they do that? Uh, you can reach me at Todd uh, at thesourcehometheater.com. If you want to reach me on anything the source related. Uh, if you want to do anything guitar related, you can obviously reach me at, at Todd Anthony Puma on Instagram or Gibson Murphy Lab on Instagram as well. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Thank you again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and most other social platforms. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. Kermit. Who was that? Kermit the Frog here. Kermit the Frog? There can't be two Kermits. Okay. Are you the early Kermit or the late Kermit? I am the corny Kermit. Oh, you're definitely corny. All right. Three. <laughs> oh, someone's going to make something out of that. That's unfortunate.